Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in a sermon series in the book of Acts. This is our second week. I love this series. We started last week in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to shift into Acts chapter 2. But Acts is really about all of us serving God together. It's the Acts of the Apostles is one of the names that it stated. The Acts of the Apostles, I really believe it's more the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through the Apostles. And uh, it's really the introduction to the Holy Spirit into the church and how it, how it transformed the church. It's our calling, it's our mission to fulfill what Jesus is called to do in and through our lives. It's the words that are found in Matthew ch- chapter 28 verse 19. Where Jesus says to his disciples is, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How do we fulfill the mission that God has given us? I believe the book of Acts is almost like a playbook that helps us to understand how we as a church, church is ecclesia, which is the gathering of people, how we as a church fulfill the mission that God has put upon us. As I shared last week, The book of Acts was written by a man named Luke. He was a physician, he was an evangelist, an historian, and he was a lover of Christ. He loved Jesus. And he was also a friend of the Apostle Paul as well. And he actually wrote this out. If you have any more questions about the book of the Gospel of Luke or the book of Acts, I encourage you to go back to last week's message and catch that on our website because I go through chapter 1 last week. But last week we looked at chapter 1. How, and these are the three thoughts we had, how the church is instructed by Jesus' teachings. We follow the Bible here at South Coast Christian, amen? How we are motivated by the power of his resurrection. And how we are empowered by his Holy Spirit. Today we're going to move into chapter 2. And by the way, the, the second half of chapter 1, you can read it for yourself. It's basically where they make the choice to replace Judas, who was the betrayer of Jesus. If you remember, Judas hung himself, and they replaced Judas with a man named Matthias. And you can read that story as well. But now it's the arrival of this gift that Jesus promised. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to read the first 13 verses of Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, open them up today. You can just leave it open there or your devices. And um, read along with me. I said... On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. It actually, I think one place it says in one accord. It's the first reference to the Honda. Anyhow, some of you will get that. Um, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. I always think they're all crammed into a Honda accord. Um, Suddenly, there was a sound of a, a, a from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there was devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, 
people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, and the province of Asia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, I'm butchering these names, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And once again, God, we ask that your word will penetrate our hearts and change our lives. We invite your presence of your spirit in this place to bring your word alive into our hearts. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're going to do as well, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Let's once again look at this passage of Scripture like what we, how we looked at it last week with, with the whole idea of how Jesus desires to build his church. The church is built, the first thing I want to share with you today is the church is built on a Holy Spirit encounter. We see this in verse 2. Remember, the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem. Jesus had told the disciples, okay, I'm a, if you read the Gospels, Pastor Tom, is not, it's in the Bible. All of a sudden, he says it to his disciples, I'm going to ascend into heaven. And when I do, what I want you to do is I want you to go into Jerusalem and I want you to wait for this gift that the Father is going to give you. It's the power of his spirit. And... Um, we need, the church is built on a Holy Spirit encounter in our lives. The encounter with the Holy Spirit was taking place on what was called the day of Pentecost. And what is Pentecost? It was an annual festival held by the Jewish people to remember God's faithfulness. It was an event that followed exactly 50 days after the Passover. In fact, Pentecost means 50, just FYI. Now, the Passover was this annual celebration. If you remember, um, if you've watched The Prince of Egypt, well, I love that cartoon, and it's a really good one. It's one of the best, especially when that whale goes through the waves. And, and when you watch The Prince of Egypt, you understand that the Passover re is, is recognition that Jesus, that God, delivered the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt. And remember, Pharaoh, you know, Moses said, let my, or yeah, Charleston Heston said, let my people go representing Moses. And, and Pharaoh kept refusing to let the people go. And if you remember, there's 10 plagues that were sent upon the, 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 the nation of Egypt. And that last plague was the death of the firstborn sons, if you remember that. And so an angel told the Israelites to, you know, go in, to your homes and shut your doors and paint over the doorposts, put, kill a young goat and take the blood of the goat and the blood of the lamb and put it over your, your doorpost. And when the angel sees that, it will bypass your home. It will pass over your house. The Passover. That's where we get the Passover. I'm doing a little teaching today along with God's word. Is that Okay. So it's the Passover. Pentecost was a festival that celebrated God's continued provision. It was also the, called the Festival of Weeks or the Festival of Reaping. In Jewish traditions, it also commemorates the giving of the Ten Commandments by God, which was believed that it happened 50 days after the Passover. So it's interesting that this new encounter with God through the power of His Holy Spirit happens on the day of Pentecost. See, many of us... As New Testament believers, we think Pentecost is just when the, when, when the Holy Spirit came. No, Pentecost was taking place 
way before when the Holy Spirit came. It was a festival in the Old Testament as well. But God chose that day. He chose that day to pour out his spirit. We as followers of Jesus celebrate Pentecost as a reminder that we can have a personal relationship with God through his spirit. We no longer have to have an impersonal relationship where we pray and we don't. We can have the very spirit of God with us. It's important for us to remember that the church was brought forth because, not because of anything that man did. It was because of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And that's what brings the church alive. It reminds me of this truth. And I, if you're going to write something down, write this down. It's good truth for you to, to think about, to ponder. Before anything will ever happen outward, something has to happen inward. For anything in your life, if you want your life to be a powerful and effective outward, then something in your heart has to change, start to change inward. For us to have impact on others, then the Holy Spirit has to have impact on us. Through the years, I have seen over and over and over again, when all of a sudden, the power of the Holy Spirit moves on a group of people, it moves on a church, it moves on a family, it moves on a person, and all of a sudden, there's life change that takes place. Why? Because all of a sudden, this person has surrendered to the power of the Spirit of God in their lives. And all of a sudden, they're no longer working in their own ways. They're no longer working in their own flesh. They're no longer working with their own abilities. The Apostle Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. What Paul was saying, I've learned to tap into the power of his Spirit working in and through my life. And he has set me free from the bondages that have held me back so that I can have new life in Jesus Christ. It's the power of his spirit working in and through our lives. I have a good friend. In fact, I went last week. Thank you for your prayers. I went to the celebration of his life in Las Vegas. Pastor Paul and I worked together for many years. And, and uh, we really, truly had a, a great relationship. And he just loved people. But when I would go to Pastor Paul and I'd ask him a question, what do you think, Pastor Paul? And we'd go back and forth with, with each other. He'd call me. I'd call him. And he always has this, he, coined, he had this phrase that he always said, he says, Tom, what is it unto? If you're going to choose to do, what, what, what is it? It has to be unto something. What is it unto? I love that saying. You see, the move of the Spirit in your life is unto something greater than even you can understand. There is a purpose that is beyond yourself when the move of the Spirit comes upon your life. What an amazing event that took place with the disciples when they're all of a sudden meeting all together. They were waiting upon the Lord. And don't be confused with something. The power of the Holy Spirit was not given because they were waiting. The power of the Holy Spirit was given because it was promised by Jesus. Did it require the waiting? Sure. It required for them to slow down enough. And that's a good word for you and me. To slow down enough to all of a sudden receive the gift that God has for our life. When the Holy Spirit physically came, as you read in the scripture, man, it must have sounded like a freight train coming into the room because it was, it was not a quiet encounter. I remember years ago, I was in Everett, Washington. I was at the network office for the assemblies, and we were sitting around a, a conference table. We had the longest meetings. Oh, my gosh, they would last for hours. And we were sitting around the conference table, and all of a sudden I heard, I thought someone was like rolling a cart, like a heavy cart over the roof of the, of the building, but it almost sounded like a freight train. I don't know how to, it just sounded, it was an earthquake. 
And it was a rolling earthquake, and you just hear it coming. It got louder and louder, and all of a sudden, everything started to shake. And that's kind of what I think about when the Holy Spirit came into that room that day. It wasn't a quiet encounter. It was powerful. Then catch this. It says in the scripture that every person had flames upon them. They appeared like it was fire. It reminds me of of Hunger Games and Katniss Everdeen. Remember her? And she all of a sudden comes into the arena and she's on fire. I'm sorry, I'm a movie buff. She comes in on fire. Man, all the followers of Christ were on fire that day. Why does the image of the Holy Spirit look like fire? Because the Bible refers to it often that way, according to scriptures. Pastor Tom, you say that, but I try to back it up. Hebrews chapter 12 says, our God is a consuming fire. What do you need consumed today? Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, John the Baptist, the great John the Baptist who baptized Jesus himself. He says, I baptize you with water, but the one who, is, who follows me referring to Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What's with the fire? You see, the fire signifies the Spirit of God in the following ways. Catch this. Fire represents God's presence. We see this so many times in Scripture. It was God's presence. Remember when Moses was all of a sudden, he was, he was living in the desert for 40 years, and all of a sudden God needed to arrest Moses because he needed Moses to go deliver the people of, of Israel and from Egypt. And all of a sudden, how did God appear to Moses? In a burning bush. His presence was there in the burning. And he took, he took his shoes off and he says, I'm standing on holy ground. The presence of God. It was the presence of God that kept the Egyptians from overcoming the Israelites when all of a sudden they were up to the Red Sea and all of a sudden it was blocked and all of a sudden they were supposed to put that, that staff into the Red Sea and the Red Sea was going to part, but the Egyptians were right on the backs of them and all of a sudden there was a cloud of fire that blocked their way. The very presence of God protected the Israelites. It was the presence of God after they crossed through the Red Sea where, they, where each night there would be a pillar of fire that would lead them and that would guide them. You see, it's God's light that lights our path. It's his presence that lights our path. When we walk in his presence, we know where we're going because he is the fire that's in our life. The second thing, fire also represents God's passion. Pastor Tom, you must have fire. You're so passionate today. You know one of the scariest thoughts is to live all of your life with no passion. To live all your life and not have anything burning inside of you. To live your life and just unto yourself with no purpose. And all of a sudden you get old. I'm getting old, so maybe that's why I'm thinking about this. All of a sudden you recognize, man, there's something greater than me. My life has to be unto something. Passion, the love of God's spirit is like an all-consuming fire. His love for you is unstoppable. I don't know if you ever experienced the move of the spirit in your life, but for me, there's times in my life where all of a sudden something just feels like it's burning inside of me. All of a sudden, God's word just takes alive and it starts to burn. And I know it's the spirit of God that's transforming and starting to change and says, hey, Tom, you need to look at this. You need to look in your life. You need to recognize that this is something that doesn't belong to me. Get rid of that so you can follow me in a greater way. Because I have a purpose for you. It starts to burn inside of you. 
It's the indwelling presence of God. When Jesus was walking with his followers, with his disciples, and they didn't, this is after his resurrection, and they didn't even, at the first didn't even recognize him, and they start asking Jesus questions. He starts to answer the questions. He's answering them, and they're just amazed by everything he's saying. And all of a sudden, Jesus just disappears. And the disciples, Luke 24, verse 32 says, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? What was burning inside him? It was the presence of God. I believe it's his passion for God's spirit. It's his love that was willing to die on the cross for our sins. And it's that same passion that we need in our lives. Amen? Third thing, fire represents God's purity. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3 says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord is the one who tests the heart. God's presence in your life will convict you of wrong. It will purify your motives by leading you away from sin. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit in John 16, 8, that he will convict the world. When the Spirit of God comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness. See, you don't have to judge people's sins. Holy Spirit will do it. Amen. Stop it. Now, listen, if someone comes to you and say, hey, I think you might be going the wrong direction. I would look, because the Holy Spirit uses people. But you don't have to be the judgment of all people. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sins. He's the one that draws us into relationship with our Heavenly Father. He's the one that brought, draws us to Christ. We need to recognize the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. What does it mean to convict you of sin? Is, have you ever, have you, maybe you haven't experienced this. I have experienced this where all of a sudden, something that I didn't really feel that was that wrong, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just starts to work on me. You need to get rid of this in your life. I, and he starts to convict me. I don't need that anymore. It might not be anything that was that bad. It's just, it, it was, you know, it was making me not look at Christ. It was, it was keeping me away from Christ. It's conviction. It's the Holy Spirit that leads you. And then it says in that scripture, is that, and convicts us of God. How does it convict us of God's righteousness? Now, this is a word for some of you that you need to grab a hold of today. Because this is talking about God's grace. How do we get convicted from God, of God's righteousness? It's recognizing that your righteousness is worthless. And it convicts us to recognize that the righteousness of Christ is what I stand upon. There is no works that I can do in my own life that will ever earn my salvation. It is only through my faith in Jesus Christ and his works of righteousness in my life that all of a sudden sets me firmly planted, my feet firmly planted in the grace of God. Amen. He convicts us that, you know what, Paul says that we are all sinners. Amen. We're all, none of us are righteous, not one. But in Christ Jesus, we are righteous. And it convicts us and it shows us of that. That word convict brings about the idea of convincing a person of their sin. It's also convincing a person of God's righteousness. It's recognizing it's Holy Spirit that draws us into relationship. And as we follow God's Spirit, it will purify us, purify our actions. We need God's purity in this church. I'm not talking about man's purity. I'm talking about God's righteousness in this church. Amen? Man's purity, if we start doing that, I've seen churches that do that. They start focusing on, 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 
on, you know, like, we got to be, we got not that we shouldn't be holy. Don't get this. Don't, don't, mis, don't mismanage my words. All I'm saying, when people try to do it in their human effort, that's when the church falls apart. All of a sudden we start judging one another, and all of a sudden church, church shrinks. Why? Because we're doing it in our human effort instead of stepping in and allowing the Spirit of God to work in and through our lives. Another truth that we see in the Scripture for the church is this. The, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability. Look at verse 4. The initial evidence of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of Jesus' followers, was that they began to speak in other languages. This was a supernatural experience. This wasn't just a language that wasn't understood. It actually says in the Scripture that people understood what they were sharing. It was Jesus, or the Spirit of God was speaking through people in multiple languages that they had never known before. These were Jewish men and women filled with the presence of God and were given the ability to speak. It was a miraculous day. People were completely blown away. They were bewildered. How is this happening? Can you imagine all of a sudden Pastor Thomas speaking up here and all of a sudden I just start to break out in Swahili? You go, what in the world? Some of you might enjoy it more if I was speaking in Swahili. But anyhow, that's just humor. But it was an amazing scenario. Look at what was being said by those who were filled by the Holy Spirit. This is what I love. You can find it in verse 11. It says that people were hearing, those that were hearing their languages being spoke, what were they hearing? They were hearing about the wonderful things God had done. It was proclamation of how good God is. What a supernatural experience. It kind of reminds me of what heaven might look like. I don't know if there's going to be multiple languages in heaven, but I do know there's going to be diversity in heaven. And it's going to be something wonderful where we can all gather together and worship the Lord. It's going to be something that we can't even imagine or understand. It's just going to be amazing. A key takeaway from the scripture is found in verse 4. Where it states that it was the Holy Spirit who gave them the ability. Catch this. It was the Holy Spirit that gave them the ability. Or maybe your Bible says enabled them to do what seemed impossible. There are gifts, there are gifts that God gives each of us when we seek his presence. It's not something that natural, is necessarily natural to our own ability, but it's a gift from God. Why is it a gift from God? Because you know what? If it's in your own ability, it can't glorify God. But when it's outside of your own ability, guess what? All, all the glory goes to God. These gifts represent his goodness, his strength, his passion in our life. The Apostle Paul calls them gifts of grace. And you can, read, you can read about these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans chapter 12. It lists the gifts of the Spirit. And there's... For me, I believe that, man, there's, there's many gifts of the Spirit that God works in and through our, our lives. But they're to be used for His glory. I've had people in my life, I don't know if you've ever had this or experienced this before, but it was a supernatural event where God was working in something in my life and I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know how I was supposed to do it. And all of a sudden I go to a, a brother in Christ, a friend in Christ, and I start to share and all of a sudden he looks at me and says, you know what, Tom, I... I just feel, I had a dream last night. I feel like you're supposed to be, and it was confirmation in my spirit. He didn't even know what I was going to do. It was confirmation in my spirit that God was calling me to do something even greater. To me, it was a prophetic word. Um, see, so many times we make prophecy weird. Prophecy is not weird. It can literally be a word across the coffee table to one person to the other where God all of a sudden uses you. I'm just, it's for the marketplace in my life. I've had, I've gone to someone's deathbed in the hospital while they're dying. 
and I walk away encouraged. How does that work? You know, there's a gift of encouragement. How does, how does someone who's dying on their deathbed and I walk away and I feel like I'm on cloud night and encouraged? It's because they're so filled with the Spirit of God that there was a gift of God working through them, touching my life. I want to be that. I want to be that. Amen? As we continue to grow in Christ, the Holy Spirit continues to enable us through his power. He might empower you. Catch this. Maybe he will even empower you to love your enemies. Woo! Yeah, come on, somebody. I always think about one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when all of a sudden Jesus went to the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Why is that one of my favorite stories? Because I knew if you read through history, the Jewish people and the Samaritans hated one another. And Jesus broke that down. It was his presence. He came into Samaria at to Jacob's well. He encountered this woman at the well and he changed her life because of his love for her. See, don't sell yourself short of what God wants to do in and through your life. Let's create an environment that God can do the impossible through our lives. The followers of Jesus experienced the impossible that day, on Pente- that day of Pentecost. And I believe that God wants to do something beyond your imagination, beyond your thoughts, beyond your abilities in and through your life. You just have to be open to his presence. I'm going to go even a little further on that. You've got to surrender to his presence. You can't keep one foot here. Constantly, okay. I talked, I, this last week, I remember. Can't keep one foot here and then try to go this direction. At some point, you have to surrender and follow Jesus. Otherwise, you're always going to be stuck there and God will never be able to do something great in your life. But as soon as we lift that foot and say, God, I'm going to give you this part of my life as well. Now, all of a sudden, I'm walking with Christ in a new way. I'm surrendered and the power of his spirit can fill your life. See, the church is not great because of us. I'll say it again. The church is not great because of us. The church is great. Why? Because of the Spirit of God working in through our lives. The last thought that I want to share from this scripture, finally, Pastor Tom got to his last thought, is that the church is Holy Spirit empowered. In this next passage of scripture, verses 14 through 41, you will see, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time today, but you'll see that Peter steps forward to address the crowd that is wondering what in the world has taken place. I haven't read this portion because it's too long, but you can read in verse 2 that when the Holy Spirit arrived, it wasn't just a quiet entrance. It states that all of a sudden there was a mighty windstorm. The Greek word that's used there is actually a Greek word that means violent. There was a violent storm that all of a sudden took place and it grabbed everyone's attention. In fact, in verse 6, it states that everyone came running to see what was happening. They heard this sound. They came running to see what was happening. When they arrived, they heard their own languages being spoken about the, amazing, the, about the amazing things that God has done. They were amazed, but they were also confused, according to Scripture. Some were claiming that the people were drunk. Oh, it's just a loud party with a bunch of drunk people. <laughs> Come runs your neighborhood, doesn't it? But Peter took this opportunity to step forward. And he began to share with the crowd what was happening. He said, you know what? This is not a drunk fest. This is 9 a.m. in the morning. There's no way. This is the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon people's lives is what's taking place. Peter began to quote the prophet Joel, the prophecy of old about what was going to take place of today. And then he begins to share about the good news of Jesus. 
he shares about how Jesus was raised from the dead and he was exalted to the right hand of the Father and he's looking after us and how what we're experiencing today is actually a promise that's being fulfilled in our lives. It's the outpouring of God's Spirit into our lives. People in the Old Testament had waited for years for this day. In verse 37, it states that Peter's words, catch this, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And then Peter replies in, in Acts 2.38, he said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 41, catch this, in verse 41, it says that 3,000 people were saved that day. Come on. Woo! 3,000 people saved on that day. This was Peter. This was the guy when Jesus said, Peter, every one of you, all of you guys, all my disciples, you're going to deny me. Oh, Jesus, I will never deny you. Peter, before the crow, the rooster crows, you have denied me three times. Jesus, I will never do that. Peter denied Jesus three times. This is not that long before this. Three times on the night of his crucifixion. I've thought about, I don't know if you've ever played the character in the Bibles, but I've thought about Peter's life. What would I have felt like? deny my Lord and Savior after I've been with him for three and a half years and then all I saw I say I don't even know you Peter had to feel like a failure he had to feel like there was no hope for him man I'm a loser to the tenth power hashtag loser Peter What's the difference? All of a sudden we're reading the scripture. Now Peter comes out with boldness. He goes, we're not crazy here, guys. He all of a sudden quotes Joel. He's being prophetic with Joel. He talks about Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. And it says in the scripture, his words pierced the people's hearts. What was the difference? Was it Peter? No. It was the power of God's spirit in Peter's life that made all the difference, changed it. Do you know Jewish customs, I shared this earlier, talked about Pentecost was the day where the Ten Commandments were given in the Old Testament after the Passover. Do you realize that day when Moses was coming down from the mountaintop? He had given the Ten Commandments. The presence of God was so over him that his face glowed that no one could look upon him. He had to cover his face because the presence of God was so real. But as he's coming down the mountainside, all of a sudden he looks down and his brother Aaron had turned. And everybody had turned. And now they're worshiping a golden calf that they had built with their own hands. And God was so angry. That day, it says that there was a plague and 3,000 people died on that day. What made the difference from that day where people died to the day that all of a sudden in Acts where all of a sudden 3,000 3, people came into the church that day? It was the presence, the outpouring of the Spirit of God on the lives of people. 
You see, if you want your life to have a change forever and ever and ever, if you, it's, we got to follow Christ, but then we got to say, Lord, I embrace your spirit in my life. And there's a new empowerment that comes upon you in a new way, in a fresh way. And when all of a sudden you get that diagnosis of cancer, or all of a sudden you find out that you just lost your job, or all of a sudden you realize that, you know what, this house sale is not going through, or all of a sudden, whatever it might be, instead of caving in fear, all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes upon you and raises you above what's impossible and says, oh, Tom, Tom, all things are possible with me. All things are possible. It's embracing the Spirit of God. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word does not return void. I love the stories of the Bible. How you take a man named Peter, who is so passionate about you, and yet he failed so hard, and yet you redeemed him by the power of your Spirit. You redeemed him to be a man of God who preached your word. He was the one that recognized that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet the next, just a few weeks later, he fails. But you redeem. God, I pray over this house, over this church, over these people. A greater faith for you than ever before. And I pray today that your spirit will rise up in us. If you're here today, I'm going to change it up from first service. I just feel like I need to. You don't need to raise your hand. Ah, yeah, you do. You need to raise your hands. <laughs> if you feel today, Pastor Tom, if you're not following Jesus, man, it's so simple. The Word of God says all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and believe in His resurrection and you are saved. And you can say that prayer. It's so simple. It's as simple as saying, Lord, forgive me my sins. I choose to follow you today. Help me to do what is right as I follow you. But if you're here today and you are a Christ follower, but you just need more of God's presence, I want you to stand with me right now. Everybody stand. Everybody, everybody stand. Everybody, because we're going to worship. But if you're here today and you just need more of the Holy Spirit presence in your life, as I pray, eyes closed for just a moment, I want you to just raise your hand real high. And I want to pray over you today. I want to pray over myself. I want to pray over you. Lord God, you see the hands lifted here today. I pray an anointing upon each person's life. More of your presence, Lord God, and less of ourselves. As the Apostle Paul learned, when I diminish, when I decrease, you increase. God, I pray that over us. Not that it destroys our life. Not that, not that we have a, a word. No, 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 no. When we have your presence in our life, it becomes more glorified than ever before. God, pour out your presence upon your people. I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.